You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Today's quote is from Emma Goldman, who was an anarchist and feminist in, like, the 1800s into the early 1900s. And uh, she is famous for saying something generally along the lines of, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. And I think that's good to remember when we... um, talking about the voice and how, you know, what frees us the most is when we have a sense of humor and fun and a little dancing doesn't hurt. Our voice is a reflection of our life experience, where we've been and who we've listened to. But we can also own it and even change it if we want. This is the podcast that's all about the voice, but it's also all about power. Who has it, how we get it, how we sound when we have it. I'm Samara Bay. I'm a dialect coach for actors in Hollywood on movies like the upcoming Wonder Woman sequel and a bunch of other stuff I can't talk about. And I'm also a speech coach for entrepreneurs, for politicians, for women everywhere ready to use their voice to get what they want. Welcome to Permission to Speak. Let's do this. Today I have on Evan Rachel Wood. She's been professionally acting since she was a kid. Her breakout role was in 13. She was also in Across the Universe, The Wrestler, True Blood. And now the third season of Westworld is upon us in just a few weeks. I wanted to have Evan on the show because over the last decade, she's come out as bi when it wasn't necessarily convenient to do so. She's come out as a domestic violence survivor. And she's found her way into using her story as an advocate for other survivors in Congress at the state and the national level. That is like so much public bravery to navigate. And she and I got to talk about how she did that. We also get to talk about her turn as a Disney queen. That's like a strike-through princess (laughs) sub in queen. And the way that she crafted the voices, plural, of Dolores Abernathy as well as her own sort of surprise experience as a leader behind the scenes. Here is Evan. 
So I want to talk first about Dolores. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is season three. It's like happening in a second. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering specifically about the voice, because that's what this podcast is all about. There's a lot going on with the voice. Yeah, what's up? What I really want to know is like how you approached it in terms of the accent Mm -hmm. and also relatedly in terms of like being kind of on script versus going rogue. Yeah. We... uh, actually talked a lot about her voice during the pilot, and we tried a few variations. I think at first, Dolores in character sounded like an old Hollywood version of a Western. So it was much more, you know, that kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Affected. Affected. Yeah, Yeah. affected, like um, gone with the wind kind of thing. (laughs) And they were like, this is too much. Like, you're not a debutante (laughs) from New York. Like you know, just do your accent that you know. And so I kind of went back to my North Carolinian Mm -hmm. roots a little bit, but made it a very generic Southern accent. And we made it much more realistic rather than like a, you know, a siren. And then there's the analysis voice, which I sort of based off of, you know, when you type in a sentence into a computer and that voice kind of reads it back Mm -hmm. to you, I wanted her to have a slight cadence of a Mm. computer. But like a, just a little a little soup song of Stephen hint. Hawking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just a bit of Siri, a bit of right. um, the inflections on the words just are slightly off, um, mm. and they the sentences run together a bit more, so it gives us this really kind of strange rhythm that she has, and it's like mm. there's something slightly unsettling about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we worked a lot on that, and then you know season two was a completely different thing. It was like. We talk a lot about the mixtures of the characters. So they'll say, we want your voice to be a bit of analysis with a bit of Wyatt or a bit Mm -hmm. of Wyatt with a bit of Dolores or a bit of this new version of Dolores, which you're going to see in season three that's going to start creeping in. So Mm. it is kind of... It makes my head spin. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, what were you, you like, in your trailer being like, okay, whoa, what'd that sound like? Uh, A little bit. But what's nice is once you decide what you're going to do, you know, I always view it as... You know, I build these kind of four walls and then I just bounce around inside those four mm. walls. So I go, okay, here's my parameters and now play and just feel it out. That reminds me in acting school, like you can't make multiple choices at once. You have to make one and then a different one and then a different one and then a different one. <laughs> Unless you're on West <laughs> But it's, it seems like the four walls thing might be a way to not, not make yourself go crazy and try to play, you know, three things on top of each other mm-hmm. when really like, you know— this, then this, then this would do the same thing, but mm-hmm. you, then you'd know what you're doing. Exactly. And I also love what you're saying because as somebody, you know, who coaches actors, when it comes to dialect stuff, like, what we're really talking about is what story are we telling? Exactly. So it sounds like with stuff like the Wyatt and the analysis that it isn't just like, this is the accent I will switch into. No. But it's like, who who is this version of her and how and, does that? And when do those versions come out on what moment and when is it important and when does it serve the story it's not just so... hey it'd be cool if it came out here it'd be like no 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 on this line she's angry so this would be a bit more Wyatt or this would be a bit more of the computer because it's more strategic or you know you have to pick and choose when that the choreography happens. of that is like stunning bananas <laughs> do you go to work being like just another chill day I mean it's like not only the subject matter the subject yes and on top of it the subject matter is incredibly heavy and very heady So it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. And I think I underestimated how difficult it is to play such a contained character because Mm. in her programming, she has no cortisol. She has no adrenaline. There's a reason why she is Mm. very steady, even in the most heightened Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, kind of insane shootouts or fights or, you know, high Mm -hmm. drama scenes, she's very level-headed. It's because she's literally programmed to be level-headed. You're like, don't act like a human. Don't act like a human. It's really hard not to act like a human. And yet also there's a camera right there (laughs) capturing, you know, what we hope will be a human enough thing that an audience relates to you. And you do that. Do you think about it when you're not Dolores? I think about it all the time. ways we are. I think about it all the time. I think I'm always thinking about people and why we are the way that we are. I'm always going back and I'm one of the actors that looks at my past mm-hmm. performances mm-hmm. and I see where I can improve and I see, you know, what I want to do differently that. next time. And, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So I'm always looking for more things to explore and learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that strikes me when I was thinking about your performance in this and the fact that you've been doing it for the last few years, it seems like it also coincides with the Phoenix Act stuff. Which is really another weird so, coincidence. Like, yeah. How did it come about that you got involved with policy stuff and also became a voice of it? It just sort of happened. And I actually credit Westworld a lot for my awakening, mm. which is what the show is about. Mm. And I think, but it's also what the show was meant to do to wake us up. And man, did it really work <laughs> on me. Um <laughs> Because it was during that first season where I started to wake up to my own traumas and um, I really got to work a lot of it out on screen. And it showed me a strength in myself. It gave me permission to be strong in a way that uh, I just hadn't felt before. And did you seek out this sort of, you know, activism or did somebody find you or had it been in the back burner but suddenly you knew what to do with it or what? You know, I hadn't even admitted to myself a lot of things were what they were. Um, I didn't call myself a domestic violence survivor. You know, I couldn't I couldn't say I was raped. I, I hadn't gone there yet. Yeah, which is, by the way, part of the point of the Phoenix Act. For, mm-hmm. for anybody listening, the whole idea of it, and it's California and also uh, ideally nationally, although yes, it sounds like it's we're, we're heading starting, there. We're starting, yeah, we're starting to get like sponsors in other states. states in? Are yeah, we, is that yeah, right? We're, we're getting in. The idea <laughs> is not even to change how domestic violent perpetrators are handled, but actually just the statute of limitations so that people who have gone through something can Mm -hmm. have the time. We're learning so much about trauma and the effects it has on our minds and bodies and the amount of time that it takes to really process a traumatic event. And there's so much research to back this up, but the laws still aren't really reflecting it. And victims are suffering and not able to seek justice because they've been so hurt they haven't even begun to face what happened or identify what happened or to feel safe enough. Um, yeah, to come there's, a, there's a quote that you said I did whatever I could to feel safe, which mm-hmm. meant putting time and space between me, him, and the abuse. That's very true. Yeah. In really, uh, really terrible circumstances, you need years to sometimes become financially independent. You need to hide. You need to set up a new life somewhere. You need to process what happened to you. And it can sound like three to five years is a long time. And you think, well, you should know when a crime has been committed against you immediately. But you don't, especially when love is involved, especially when trauma is involved. Domestic violence is just such a complicated psychological roller coaster. And there's virtually no education about it. Um, so I mean, you that's what it seems like you're kind of on like an education Yeah, tour. you can't really, that's what it feels like. You can't really blame people for not being able to identify something that they just you haven't. You actually said, the there's, just for people, if they want, online are both of your testimonies. 
the one at the state level and the one at the national level, mm-hmm. which are, by the way, very different and a year apart from each other. And I'm yeah. very interested. We're going to get into actually, if you don't mind, <laughs> no, this not sort of the all. technical of how you prepped for that. Of co- oh, absolutely. Um, but I just want to say that like one of the experiences that I had listening to it was that it did feel like you were educating people on how laws don't reflect humans. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot we don't know about the legal system or the legal terms and I will say the press takes advantage of that a lot in the way they spin cases. You had this line that you said, <laughs> yes, you had this line that you said where you were like, you know, what you had, you know, conditioned in you, which, boy, does it sound like the sort of thing all of us grew up with, yeah. was that when he hits you, you leave. Mm-hmm. And so if you haven't left. Then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> then whose fault is that? Yeah, exactly. it's your fault. That's right. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people say. And, uh, you know, depending on who the perpetrator is, some people go, oh, well, what did you expect? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Checking up yeah. with that guy. Yeah, yeah. Also, what did you think also, was going to happen? What were you wearing? Yeah. What were you wearing? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the same thing. Um, so how did you prep? They were two different experiences, I'm guessing. They so, were. Uh, um, well, the first time I testified, somebody approached me about it. I wasn't planning on, you know, sharing my story with the world, but... Given the state of where we were and, you know, our views on this kind of thing, I thought, oh, God, if I don't tell my truth now, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm being called to do it. What was that decision process? Like, was it as, was it that or was it like sitting with it? When I asked myself what I really stand for and what I really believe in, you know, it was, you know, this is <laughs> this is what you believe and this is your time and you got to take it. I would argue got also the platform. that it's hard because like when when Me Too came around and the mm-hmm. whole idea of telling your story with that hashtag was empowering and community building. Mm-hmm. It also, I was struck watching all my friends post that. I was struck being like, how dare society say that you have to go through something else? I know. So and it, then they punish you It's not like it was a no brainer. I mean, living your values is what you're saying you did. And that is, you know, deserves all the everythings. Yeah. And also... Like the other way of living your values would have been to say, like, I'm just going to protect myself. And that's also fine. That would have been fine, too. You know, there were times when I wasn't ready to say anything because I was too scared. And I also was open about my decision not to say anything. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, let people know it's not my fault that I'm too scared to say something. You know, it shouldn't be my responsibility. Hey, why don't we not also shame victims for not saying enough? Um, But then we shame them when they do come forward as well. And I think that's what I was really afraid of because there's already so much shame involved (laughs) just for my psyche. I thought, oh, God, you know, I'm going to come forward. I'm going to say all this stuff happened to me. And I just thought, what if I get creamed? You know, what if I get, you know, drugged? Again, um, have you? Uh, no, um, no. The the majority has been so supportive and was such a relief and meant so much. People's response was amazing. You know, now it's different because I think now it's really fun to spin me as a like angry feminist, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. now every time I do try to say something that to me it just seems education based, I get mm-hmm. the like every Rachel Wood goes on a rant or yeah, like yeah, every yeah. Rachel Wood, sl-, and I'm like, yeah. whoa, whoa. It feels to me I'm, like what? the farthest you are from your from just telling your own story. Yeah, the more that like suddenly you're a mouthpiece for some you know nameless. You're just nagging. Feminazi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movement has gone too far. You're nagging. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're yeah, yeah. nitpicking. I have a T-shirt that says <laughs> "Feminist Killjoy." That I'm really proud. <laughs> By the way, it's also in rainbow. Um, oh my God. But yeah, okay. So I want to talk just super specifics before we move on from this, though, yes. because how did you write the it? Prep. What did you? I mean, I'm not because I just want to kind of probe, but because 
for people who are listening who really are thinking about not just a presentation they have to give yeah. that's like, let me show my amazing new idea, but rather something that is serving a larger purpose. Absolutely. As you said in one of your testimonies, like this isn't about changing what would happen with your own case. It's actually about lending your voice to future people. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, the Phoenix Act doesn't affect my case, but I didn't want anybody to have to go through what I went through. I wanted my evidence to matter. There were provisions in the Phoenix Act that we had that got taken out at the last minute, not by us, which was disappointing because we had a clause in there where if three or more women came forward, then their statute of limitations would temporarily be lifted. So that would stop serial abusers, which yeah. was a big yeah. deal. If only they, we had some of those in the U.S. You know, <laughs> but anyway, they gutted that from our bill. Insane. Yeah, I'm still fighting for that. That's another mm. fight. Mm -hmm. But the prep for it, you know, I was working with other survivors at the time and I let them read it. Because, you know, I wanted to make it all about <laughs> the world and this and yeah. that. And they were like, you know, I know it's really tempting to say everything you want to say in this. But remember, this is a testimony. This is your experience. And you just need to tell the truth about your experience. And that helps. So I, I condensed it more to just here are the facts. Here's my truth. You know, and also here are a couple things I want to say about how we raise yeah. boys and, you know, the our, our views on this. But ultimately... You know, I just poured my heart out. And they only give you two minutes to tell your life's trauma. You know, you're, there's literally a timer in front of you that's ticking down as you're reliving all the worst moments of your life. And it was a complete out-of-body experience. Were you just like in the moment? What were you telling yourself? I was so scared. I don't think I've ever been more scared to do anything in my life. Like, I get choked up just thinking about it. Like, walking into that room... The House, of the House of Representatives room with Congress going to the underground tunnels in Washington and coming into that room and staring them all in the face. And knowing why I was there, you're just going, this is not my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what the fuck am I doing here? Sorry, I don't know where a lot of swear. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're super like, allowed to swear. There is no way that this is real and that I'm actually having to do this right now. You know, there's nothing about me that's going, this is my story, yay! You're going, this can't be right. So what made you, like— Continue walking. Were you just like, keep going, keep going, keep yeah, going? Yeah, just keep going. Just keep walking, keep walking. And I just took a deep breath and did it. You know, but I also, um, I devour like TED Talks and speeches. And I'm always moved by a good speech, you know, that flows and, you know, tells a story, reveals itself in the right way, leads you to this kind of amazing conclusion that's also a little open-ended so that you get to, you know, have your own opinions about mm -hmm. it. I devour those all the time. And so I feel like I maybe have an understanding of how they work. And I think I've been pretty good at being able to give them. Um, I'm a mess in my everyday life. <laughs> in normal conversation, I'm super awkward. But if I can write it down, <laughs> I'm serious. If I can write it down and be able to look at it and revise it, I can get to a really good place with my words. But I usually fumble. <laughs> One of my favorite moments from um, your concert that I got to see this weekend, is a moment when you said on stage, if you're a California resident, you have more rights now. Yes. And it was like that version of you that has gone through that, that isn't the same girl who was in that no. space, no. either at the time of, you know, everything that was happening to you and also at the time of having to relive it. But like what you, um, the reward. The reward was great. Um I remember the second time I testified, I thought, well, it'll be easier this time <laughs> because I've done it once. Boy, was I wrong. 
<laughs> to me, that one felt from yeah. the outside watching the one that was the, the closer. Yeah. Well, the first one was about a very specific law. And the second one was really, hey, this is my story. And this is why this law is important. And it was just, they were different angles, same topics. But yes, it, it was, the goal was different. So what I decided to tell uh, changed. And yeah, the second one was very difficult. And there was also so much writing on it. That was our first uh, vote. And mm. so we really didn't know what was going to happen. It was either going to live or die on our testimonies. I also wonder, there's like a stereotype about this. So tell me if it feels true or not. But when you're acting and probably when you're singing, there is a persona yeah. that you can put on that feels safer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a meditative space. It's the flow state. Yeah. You know, I'm big into the flow states. Oh, yeah. That's always my goal. If I can't remember doing half of my shows, <laughs> then that's a great sign to me because that means I was just in a flow state. I was just sure. in it. You know, I wasn't thinking. And same thing with scenes. You know, if, if I black out during a scene, then that means I was just completely in it. Well, now it sounds like you actually had some of that experience than when you were doing the uh, congressional stuff, too. So you just you go into blackouts every once in a while and yes. we shouldn't be worried. It's true, though. <laughs> it's, it's a, I do. It's a meditative place. What does it feel like on stage when you're singing? How is it as a communication? It's like opening the doors to my heart and, you know, like a flock of birds flying out. <laughs> Uh, that's what it feels like. <laughs> I just love it. Okay, yeah. I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. It's like that's where I feel the most expanded because, again, I feel like sometimes language can be limiting, but music is so complicated and nuanced and like one little note or inflection of a word can change the whole meaning, mm. um, you know, and sometimes you don't even need words. You just need sounds and you understand. So I don't know. It's just I feel like also I, the... I'm talking specifically about the Evan and Zane show for people who are listening, mm -hmm. which is so delightful. And as you said when I was there, it's like a cover band, but not. It's, it's a like a real cabaret experience. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and just like such top notch, you know, performance and talent and creativity and your guys' banter. Spontaneity. But part yeah. of the, the banter also just struck me when I was thinking about interviewing you that it's a real version of you. It's mm -hmm. not, I mean, I was thinking about the idea of an alter ego. Yeah. And maybe you think about that too. But it also feels like the dream with a real alter ego is it's not somebody who isn't you. It's a heightened version of you. Yeah. It's, it's like the you with who who's standing in her power, one yeah. might say. Yeah. Standing in your light, taking your space. Yeah. Which is weirdly hard for me to do. And I'm usually, I'm always nervous when I do those shows, by the way. Like the mm. first two songs, I'm always shaking. And it's just because I care so much mm. and I love the songs and I just want to do them justice and I get really nervous. You also have a room full of people who are there because they already get you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, you know, our audience matters, you mm -hmm. know? A more hostile yeah. audience obviously gets us in our head more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes the audience that knows you're good makes me oh, get in my head. You know, Because then you're like, expectations. Is that too? <laughs> yeah. So what do you do with that? You're just like... Expectations make me get in my head more than anything, honestly. Um, I mean, there's a the perfectionism streak is yeah, hard. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, it's I mean, hard. It makes you better. And also, mm -hmm. you know, there's like an endless conversation. I find for this podcast, there's an endless conversation with myself of the same thing I tell my clients, which is authentic is better than articulate. I agree. Yeah. Like, let's just say something that feels real. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to take a quick break and then All we're right. going to come right back. <laughs> 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. So we were talking about singing. Um, I can't not mention Queen Aduna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've become a, a Disney princess. Disney queen. I'm so sorry, like, Disney queen. A what? promotion. A promotion. <laughs> a promotion. Yeah, really wild. Um, actually, now that I think about it, there aren't a lot of Disney queens that are good characters. No, they're usually quite evil. <laughs> they get killed off. They always get, I mean, yeah, I mean, the I said the only thing as cool as being a Disney princess is being a Disney mom that dies. Because it's, I mean, one day maybe there'll be one that the doesn't die. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually the same with Shakespeare. Like lots of missing moms. Yeah. It's a yeah. thing. It's a it thing. It is a thing. How was that experience? Oh, wild. What's crazy is we had just done an Evan and Zane show that was a Disney theme. Ah. And I got the call and I didn't get to read the script or anything. We got the breakdown of the character and I went, I know this. I know what to do. I know. And I listened to Adina and uh, Kristen Bell Mm -hmm. and uh, thought, okay, if I can incorporate some of their sounds into her, but make it, but slightly age it a bit and make it a little, you know, more maternal, Mm -hmm. you know, then you'll go, oh, that's Anna and Elsa's mom. Like I can hear it. And so that's what I tried to do in the audition and it worked. And it's a lullaby. So mm-hmm. as somebody who's seen you on stage, softly. like really belt, it yeah. doesn't give you that. No, it was much harder to sing quietly, actually. When I first got in to do the first recording, I came in and I'm fresh off the boat doing Evan and Zane, like loungy, mm-hmm. you know, smoky shows. And they were like, okay, first of all, we got to, whatever you're doing, we got to stop. <laughs> and I was like, what? They're like, we got to get you way up into the front of your face. Mm. You know, you're, you're down here. We mm-hmm. need you like up here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right, right, Disney. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of our first hurdle. That's so interesting. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a very specific placement for Disney. I feel like um, it almost feels like what they wanted was like untouched by, well, certainly untouched by the modern world. Yeah. But even just untouched by the world. Because yes. a lot of our voice lowering stuff happens when we're like, oh, you don't take me seriously up high? Well, then well, let me uh, find something, right? But it was to strip that away and just mm-hmm. say, what if we lived in this fantasy world where that's not necessary? Exactly, exactly. Da, 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 da. And I read somewhere that you've 
sung this song to your child? I did, yeah. When I went to audition, I told him I was going to audition for a Disney movie. And he said, I hope they clap for you. <laughs> and then I went in. and a little bit of a British accent. A, a little, yeah. <laughs> when he says certain words, his father's British. Yes. So every now and then he's like, can I have some chocolate? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, very cute. Uh and his British accent, when he he'll he'll turn it on and start doing characters, and I'm like, yes, that is my son. Um, anyway, when I went in and did the audition, and after I sang, they did clap, and so I came home and I went, guess what? They clapped. Oh my god! Um, but then I didn't hear anything back for a couple months, and I just got the call randomly on the day that I was going to Disneyland. So <gasps> the yeah yeah, you're, it was framed synergy your, yeah. by Disney experiences. That's delightful. That's crazy. And were yeah. you what was? Like, it's a dumb question. What was the feeling? <laughs> I cried. I mean, it was like a dream come true. I had learned, Disney taught me how to sing, you know, and I used to, I mm. used to get uh, the CDs when they came out, but they were in that long, remember when we used to get CDs came in that long packaging mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. the size of a plank of wood and I had Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and all those things. That was so that, that we could like see them in the files, right? Yeah. In the, in the old record files. Yeah. Yeah. And had the track listing mm-hmm. and everything. So I used to act them out at home a lot. Mm. Um, and it was my dream. It was Did like, you have professional singing training as I well? I had a bit. I started in musical theater. And so the first thing I learned was to use my voice. First thing I did was go into, a you know, groups of people and learn how to sing in a choir. Mm. And I was originally a soprano um, and then taught myself how to do alto. And then, later. you know, and then I hung out in lounges. And it, well, then, I, then I got turned on to PJ Harvey and like Peggy mm-hmm. Lee. And I was like, I want to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, yeah, so first it was, you know, vocal exercises and, you know, learning how to project to the back row and learning how to take care of your voice, but to be able to sing every night and voice is always Do you have, any, do you have been... any, like, tips in that that come to mind? Well, I, I did get uh, vocal nodes once, and it was so depressing because singing is, like, my heart, and I couldn't do it because I had nodes, and it was, like, so depressing. I really all the, fell into it. All the doves, a, all the doves started to, like, Yeah, they were, their wings sleep. were clipped. It was <laughs> terrible. Oof. And so I had to go to speech therapy, and mm-hmm. that's when I realized that I'd kind of done what you were talking about. Throughout the years, my voice had progressively gotten lower, and, like, my normal speaking voice was, like, kind of down here. Mm-hmm. And she was like, if you're going to be a singer, you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. You have to hold yourself to a higher set of standards. And so she taught me how to, you know, in my everyday life, speak more, appear to give my Evan, I have to say, I had the exact a, same experience right? in my mid-20s. <laughs> and, I, and part of the psychological half of that was hearing that voice back, either like in recordings or in my own head, and just having to like tell myself that person does not sound dumb. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, or naive, hi, or... hi, patriarchy. Great. Yeah. Great. Exactly. It turns out I've picked up all the lessons that I shouldn't have. It's still hard when I need to rest my voice and I have to speak really high. I don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't, I, I think that is where it comes from. You just think, oh, people are going to think I'm ditzy yeah. or... Yeah, but also when you do like how many songs did you do two nights uh, together? Like forty like, some, forty three. I mean, yeah. You know, that's a marathon. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I don't even. That's not even a question. I'm literally just pointing out. Like, what the yeah, fuck? it is. It, it is. It is. But I do. I do. I do vocal warm ups. I. I still have a um, a woman that I go to every now and mm-hmm. then because it's. I think your voice is just one of those things that's always changing, and yeah. oh, you know, there's always room for improvement. Or you don't use it for a while, and then you got to, you know, work the muscles out we again. We go back it's to a, our bad habits, and we're yeah. like, what are those good ones again? Yeah, sometimes I go, you know, sing at the top of my lungs in places without warming up and really regret <laughs> it. That's a terrible idea. Please don't do that. 
Um, also, the older we get, the more our body is not forgiving. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. It's so not a good idea. I Now people will be like, hey, can you come and like sing at this party I'm doing? And I'm sure on my way there, I'm like, I don't even care about warming up in front of people anymore. Yeah. That's right. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm saving my voice is what I'm doing. Um, I have a a hard-hitting journalistic question for my four-and-a-half-year-old, which Mm. unfortunately, as I did research for you, I already got the answer for. So now (laughs) it's totally disingenuous. But I love that when I was thinking about interviewing you, I remembered that when we saw Frozen 2, my child and I, Afterwards, we had such a like philosophical conversation about who the voice was that she continues to hear. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and this is my favorite part. He's like, it's obviously the mom. Yeah. And it turns out you did not do the. That is Aurora. Right. But it is also um, young Queen Aduna. So it it is. um, I think in the film they say. When the forest, you know, when the spell uh, goes over the forest and closes everybody in, they said, uh, some people say that you could hear the fifth spirit call out on that day. Mm. But it was actually Queen Aduna calling out when she was saving Prince Agnar. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's a mixture of young Queen Aduna and Aurora. And I want to say there's like a fever dream that I have of me doing it once. (laughs) But I don't remember if I did or not. I bet to see if— But I think there's a bunch of different people doing that. Yeah. It's it's a bunch of different I just love the idea that my son would think that it was the mom. I love that, yeah. Because clearly it should It kind of is. It is the past. It is her mom from the past. Um, I mean, that's what's brilliant about that lullaby. I mean, the fact that all of the secrets are hidden in that. It is amazing. It's I mean, storytelling-wise, it's great. I mean, how do they do it? So Westworld, what is it like? What is the, like, additional sort of leadership responsibility that you feel? Uh, It was a new thing for me. I had never um, been at the helm of something quite like that. And I didn't know what my place really was at first until there were moments— where I would, you know, this just happens on all sets. You're like, oh man, those extras really need water. It's really hot. Or Mm. I don't really like the way that person's speaking to this person. Or I don't know, I feel like we should rehearse first and maybe block later, you know, and there's all these things. And I I started to voice these things to the producers and they were like, dude, you got to just say this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, you're number one on the call sheet. Like we need you to be the one to say these things. And I thought, oh, right. Like that is, this is a new thing. So it was like I had permission suddenly to, you know, also kind of be mother hen a little bit. Um, yeah. And say things that other people couldn't say and speak up for people that may be too afraid to say anything. It seems almost like this is a pattern in your life. Yes. <laughs> I mean, does it, does it, it also probably puts, I don't know, actually, I shouldn't say that. Does it put you into inconvenient positions because it seems like when you're the number one on a show not necessarily because people are really really conditioned to be like what she needs she gets yeah I am almost too easy to work with sometimes yeah (laughs) probably because of being a kid actor you just kind of you're like, oh, is should I say something? Yeah, <laughs> I'm no, just so it's used hard. to being like, whatever you want me to and do. Especially as a woman, you don't want to come across as difficult. And literally, that word starts that is happening 100% only when you quote unquote ask for what you need. That is 100% true. And definitely, women are held to a much higher standard than men on sets when they demand for things that they need. And when a man does it, or when, you know, I've been on sets where, you know, 
actors start wrecking the set because they can't remember their lines, you know, and I don't hear anybody talking smack about them afterwards. They're like, oh man, that was awesome. Did you see that? They're so brilliant. And it's like a fun story. But if a woman did that, they'd be like, my bitch, like she she wrecked the set. Women are so emotional. They're so emotional. Um, so, so there is, there is a, there is a double standard there for sure that I I can definitely still feel, but luckily Westworld is an incredible set and they have a massive amount of respect for the women that work on that show. In season three, half of the season is directed by women, including the finale. So they've done a great job at ushering in a lot of female directors. Does it feel different working with a female director? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously not sometimes. all women are the same. I don't need to make it a, you know, yeah, monolith. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But, uh, you know, I said yes, but honestly, no. There isn't really that much of a difference. I think I only said that because one of them was specifically really good about working with the actors and speaking our language. But mm. I don't think that's because she was a woman. Mm. Um, I, to me, I it's because she like, was an actor. <laughs> it's a, yeah, 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 yeah. To me, it feels like sometimes it isn't about the fact that the director is a woman as much as it's that, like, when a woman is in charge of the show, even just for that, you know, week and a half or whatever that you're shooting that episode, it changes something about the power dynamic in the entire 150-person crew. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, also, sometimes that's when I've noticed being on sets that, like, some of the dudes choose to be louder about the things they don't like about women who demand things. Mm-hmm. So sometimes shit comes out of the closet when there's a woman in charge. But overall, it also is like we're teaching people that that this is what female leadership is. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, get used yeah. to it. And it's okay. You don't have to feel like your mom is telling you to clean your room. Oh my God. Which I feel like is a lot of the vibe you get sometimes. Like, look, I'm not telling you to pick your shoes up off the floor. I just need you to move this flag. Right. Like, everybody, everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a serious, it's a serious it's a thing, conversation yeah. it's a, to it's, have. It's a thing, but you know, it's also, yeah, we're all learning and we're all learning together. And, you know, we've all been the product of major brainwashing that we're all trying to undo. And, you know. Some of us more, more trying than others. Some of us more than others. Yeah, you know, but. Hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> um, do you do you have sort of a process for choosing projects, especially the older you get and the more you're actually I don't know it's not an older you get thing you've been doing this your whole life in terms yeah. of like trying to do stuff that feels right. I think that's really what it is. I just follow my gut um, and I don't I don't let the fear of oh, I have to do something um, you know make me do something that I don't want to do because I just know by now if my heart's not in it, a I'm not going to be very good. And I'm going to be miserable and it's just, I'm going to have time away from my son. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a thing I don't want to do. But um, are you thinking about directing or producing? Well, you know, I've directed a couple music videos. I mm-hmm. did shoot a short film that I wrote uh, with Leah Thompson, um, which I'm still in the process of doing the special effects for. Nice. Um, are you adding hoverboards? <laughs> right? Yeah. With a DeLorean. <laughs> Um, that was such a great moment. Uh, I loved every minute of it. But um, she was actually the first actor that I ever heard speak uh, words that I wrote. And it was so mm. cool to watch um, somebody that really knew what they were doing say something that you wrote. And you're going, oh, it works. It's working. Yes. <laughs> it's actually working. Yeah. So I did direct that. And I, and I like it. I did pitch a film that I wrote for a couple years, which actually is no time at all when you're pitching a film. But so depressing because, honestly, I had an all-female cast with me and Jenny Slate and Cynthia Erivo, who just got nominated for an Oscar. Oh, my and God. Me, I know both of them. And yes. Allison Pill. Like, what an awesome cast. Dude. Uh, no one would give us money to make the movie. 
Anybody listening <laughs> is so, and we were like, okay, y'all are stupid. Cynthia Rayburn's going to blow up. Um, but then nobody listened to us. What? Um, but that experience was kind of so discouraging that I was like, I am not ready to do this right now. Like on top of my history and the Phoenix Act and everything else, I was like, I can't be in another pitch room that is so sexist. And there are no people of color in here and there are no women in these rooms. And I am, I just couldn't, I, I didn't have the stomach for it. Yeah. Maybe one day I will. But I actually spoke to Ron Howard about it, who I worked with, and I ran into him, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm thinking about directing. And I said, Ron, how do you do this? How do you work with these people? And he's like, you got to really want to do it. And I thought, maybe I, maybe I need to wait <laughs> until it's this uncontrollable urge that I can't uh, stifle anymore. But- Boy, I mean, <laughs> I hear that, and I also think, like, clearly maybe— Yes, you really need to want to do it. Yeah. But also, you really need to be game for the hustle. Exactly. And I don't think your hustle and Ron's hustle are the same, so— They're not. No, they're not. Um, And I just don't think I was game for the hustle right now, man. I need a second. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I I accepted defeat on that one (laughs) for now. Um, But that's not to say uh, later on in life I wouldn't really love to do it. I have a few quick questions. One, do you have a mom voice? Yeah, and it scares me because it's my mom's voice, you know? Oh, yes. You know those moments where you're like, oh, my God, that is my mom. Um, It depends, you know? There's, like, sweet mom voice, and then there's, like, okay, seriously, I've said this five times. you got to go do this right now. I feel very, (laughs) like, I feel like my acting background really comes out with my kid. Not necessarily because I'm acting differently than I'm feeling, but that I'm, like, I know how to change my voice to get what I want. Yes. Well, and they teach you that in parenting class, you know, to when you— want them to listen to you in a certain way to lower the register of your voice. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily get louder, but it's a register thing that mm-hmm. they say actually works. Yeah. It's that's so weird that like going like, I can't believe you're not listening to me doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. Maybe I should have a parenting expert on to talk about that. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a I thing. mean, I would argue that because the whole lowering voice thing is there. It's so fraught. For women mm-hmm. especially, but that the the other half of it besides just, you know, lower your voice to the extent that you get vocal nodules, the other half of it is that um, a uh, the more stressed we get in the moment, the more adrenaline hits our vocal cords, et cetera, mm-hmm. the more we go up. So some of that is actually just pretending to sound calm. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Right? It's so interesting. And then, you know, kids pick that shit up. Yeah. And they're like, okay, maybe I should be calm now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my next question is, let's talk just for a second about how you use social media. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you were talking earlier about your platform. Mm-hmm. And it really strikes me for somebody like you who's really embraced social media in certain ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. It really is this double-edged sword. There is an opportunity to be seen mm-hmm. and to, you know, foment movements, whatever, to bring people together yeah. in a way that is not should not be denied when we're talking about the the ills of social media. Yeah. And also you're using your platform in a way that also just fully exposes yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I like using it as a conversation starter and as an educational tool. And if you follow me, you know, I don't really like confrontation or getting <laughs> into fights with people. I like listening and learning. And mm-hmm. if there is a blind spot that I've had I'm very open to hearing what that is if somebody's willing to have an honest conversation with me about it and not just yell at me, you know? Um, Like I was saying, when things that I say get 
really taken out of context and turned into this uh, ever Rachel with attack on so and so, you know, when really I'm just I'm I, I'm trying to have a conversation, and that's something that the media does, and they farm tweets. Yeah. Um, you know, and, well, and uh, also sensationalize like them. And it's also weaponized against us. For sure. Yeah. The issue with social media is it doesn't wait for anybody either. It's the Wild West. It's a public forum where everything happens in real time. And so you have to know that when you're stepping into that space, you know, and you're not always going to like the things that you want to hear. But I always hope that we strive to, you know, be people that We'll listen to one another, you know, to voice our concerns when we're hurt. You know, it's it's when my safety comes into question where I think we've gone. That's what I was going to ask. Far. Do you mentally prepare yourself for like when you're going to be sort of hopping on? Sometimes I do. Rather sometimes. than just living in the wild sometimes west. Sometimes I don't for work and for play. It, absolutely. I mean, I I have had to take a lot of breaks from it recently. You know, even before you know a lot of controversy went down, mainly just because it wasn't healthy for me. And I also think it's a false reality. There's a lot on Twitter that's not even real, and it's there to keep us fighting and in conflict. Yeah. And, you know, we purposely shake the jar of ants, or not we, but, you know, <clears throat> the media. But um, Or the Russians, or, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. there's, there's so many different influences on that platform. Um, and one day, we'll, it'll be studied, and we'll be able to see it all for what it is, and look at it and go, oh, shit, 80% of this wasn't even real. But and then are, what would we do? Literally, then what we do? Because we'd probably still just keep using it. So and and we do, and and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I I have deleted the app off of my phone just so I can't mm-hmm. readily just kind of click. You know, anytime I'm bored, go into it because it was it was bad for my psyche, and I do mentally prepare sometimes. But honestly, sometimes I don't think I'm saying anything that controversial, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it turns into something. And I I just feel like I'm being very honest. And so you know, those are moments when. You know, my eyes and ears are open, and I and I want to learn. But again, right. you know, it's when, when my safety comes into when question. You go into in with good faith, and then like the internet's like, we're not going to show it back to you. Yeah, yeah, you should die a horrible death. Um, that I don't agree with. <laughs> like, I will always Ooh, talk about a controversial point. Do you know what I mean? Um, so you know, I'll always listen to people if if they have something to say. You know, and I'm and I'll never say you know I'm always right about anything because I'm not. I'm not perfect. You know, but I can't hear you if you're threatening my life. <laughs> like I can't. We can't actually get anywhere. Where are the parenting classes for the you know for the bullies online? Um, I don't know. You know, there's bullies online. There's bully rags everywhere. We're very anti-bullying, but you know, we're still fine with all of the tabloids being all over our grocery stores and drugstores at eye level with our kids. You know, so oh my God, what do you questions. think those are? Those are just bully. That's just that's just printed bullying. <laughs> like it's been there forever. So. It's the same thing, you know. I do. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and find out whose voice you have picked to share with ah, us. Yes. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. So I have queued up somebody that Evan has chosen for us to listen to her voice and talk about it a little bit. First, I just want to ask you, Evan, who have you picked? I have picked Brene Brown, <laughs> who, if you are not familiar, A, has a terrific voice. I feel like is she? I feel like everyone's familiar with her now. I think so, yeah. But I deliberately picked a bit from her early oh, her TED Talk Numero Uno. Yes. But yes, you were saying she has a great voice. She has a fantastic voice and she uses it very well. Yeah, I think so too. She's very relatable, but very profound. And she's got that little Southern twang, which is great. I mean, that's <laughs> truly all the stuff. And it's and like leveraging that instead of hiding behind that, which, mm-hmm. you know, her whole thing is about shame and vulnerability. So yeah. not hiding behind it is a good thing. The idea with these little segments where we talk about this stuff is that Often when we think about women's voices, it's hard to call to mind the voices of the women in our lives that we admire. Mm -hmm. And we might think of our mom or we might think of, you know, the one or two women who've been like lauded to such an extent, the Oprahs of the world. And those people deserve to get attention as well. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there are so many women who are killing it. And I don't even necessarily want to talk about women only. This is people who are not the archetype of power that we've come to, you know, hear. Mm -hmm. When we hear the straight white man, probably rich, probably stoic, or like not revealing emotion in the way that seems natural to us. Mm -hmm. And we're like, if we're not that, then we're not worthy of power. Right. And that's the, you know, that's the the assumption I want to break. Yeah, the vision of power is changing. The vision of power is changing. And we get to use this time to like listen to some of the people who are really doing it so that they can come to mind so mm-hmm. that we can be like, oh, I think I'm this type. Or we can be like, I am a new type. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. So here's a little bit of Brene that we can just listen to real fast. I hate vulnerability. And so I thought this is my chance to beat it back with my measuring stick. I'm going in. I'm going to figure this stuff out. I'm going to spend a year. I'm going to totally deconstruct shame. I'm going to understand how vulnerability works, and I'm going to outsmart it. So I was ready, and I was really excited. As you know, it's not going to turn out well. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she's fine. (laughs) I mean, I love that moment at the end because it's so... I don't think she was planning on saying that. If you look back and look at it, I think she was really planning on just moving ahead. And then something that I want to point out is she read the room. Mm -hmm. She read the room. And she was like, ah, I set that up in a way where if I just move on now, I'm going to seem inauthentic. And there's this huge laugh that happens after that moment of this release. Mm -hmm. Because one of the biggest things that we need to do when we're, you know, in front of an audience is like acknowledge what's really happening. Yes. Yes. Which is scary. Read the energy. Read the energy. And also read if you've made a mistake or whatever, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't just plan on what you're going to do. One of the best things I ever learned in acting class, I learned with a koosh ball. 
<laughs> and and it was how my acting coach proved to us you cannot just practice how you're going to do it. Mm. And he was like, okay, stand up. Throws me the ball. I catch it. He goes, great. Now throw it back. And now catch it in the exact same way that you caught it the first time in my hands <laughs> in the same place. And of course, he throws it way left. <laughs> right. And I can't catch it. And he's like, yeah, you have no idea how I'm going to throw the ball. So... Yeah. You cannot plan for this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is also really scary, both if you're an actor and also if you're, you know, public speaking. But mm-hmm. if something goes a little awry, I remember I used to coach hosts who were working on on like transitioning from being sort of an expert in their real lives to doing the media version of that on television. So they didn't necessarily have the same acting background that we might. might. And I really had to teach them that those moments that you fuck up and then acknowledge the fuck up is when the audience falls in love with you. That's true. And trying to pretend that a moment that just happened didn't is a recipe for disaster. That's true. Or at least for disconnection. And the whole point is we want to connect with our our audience. And other things about her that are working so well, you know, I think part of the reason that she's connected with people is is what you said. There's this southernness to her. She's not hiding that she's got a sort of a folksy energy. Mm -hmm. She has this little uh, litany in this where she says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But she's an academic. So she could very well have said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And it's these tiny, like, opportunities we give ourselves when we're on stage to not be formal. Yes, like, talk about permission to speak. You have permission to sound like the same person that you would have sounded like off stage. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the further away our authentic voice is from that kind of archetype of power, the harder that is. Mm-hmm. And the more it is a calculation. And I'm not saying one size fits all. But I am saying that I'm interested in pushing those boundaries a little bit. Right. Because we got to teach people what power sounds like. We do. And to teach people how to speak to people in a way that they'll be heard. Yeah. 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 It's a big yeah. thing. I know. There's also this whole, like, are you working within the system or or just, like, burning the system down? So there is a little <laughs> bit of that sense of, like, do what you have to do to negotiate, you know, until you have, for example, the power to be on a stage, yeah. whether it's a TED and Talk or not. And the knowledge to back it up. Sure. Man, in her does she case, know what she is talking damn. about? Yeah. Um, but then once you're there, you know, just like you when you're the lead on a show— you know, how do we leverage the new power we have to normalize things that have not been normalized until now? Mm-hmm. And yes, I do want to circle back on what you just said, because authority. It is hard to hear a woman's voice and be like, she's an authority figure. And that's a controversial sounding thing. I didn't like the way it sounded coming out of my mouth, but there's <laughs> so much to back that up. But there I will true. say- There's actually science to back There up. is A, she, you know, has a PhD and thus is an authority figure. But B, she can also teach us a little bit about how, for those of us who don't have PhDs, we can sort of stand in our authoritative power on things that we do know about because yeah. we've had life experiences. Mm-hmm. And part of what was so beautiful, I think we're wrapping up, but part of what was so beautiful about uh, the advice that you were given when you had to do the hard stuff mm-hmm. in front of Congress was that stories are so much more powerful than we realize. And women have been conditioned to not tell them, partly because maybe we don't have a hero's journey that feels like mm-hmm. it fits us as much. And there's that amazing Britt Marling article that just came out about oh, that. Oh, so great. Yeah, she's um, wonderful. Totally. And so, like, truth-telling. But also partly because, you know, in the moment, I've had guests, as I've been doing, you know, prep interviews leading up to this, I've had guests who I'm obviously asking them for the story of the time when. And they're obviously on my podcast because they're an expert or they're doing something brilliantly with their lives, and they dodge it. Right. And it's like, God, that's all of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's a really weird thing. <laughs> 
And yay, and we get to sit in it and work our bravery muscle. And honestly, I, mean, I just want to say— it's so important. Like, f- bravery is n- not—my favorite quote is, bravery is not the absence of fear. It's being afraid and doing it anyway. And I am never not afraid when I'm using my voice or being vulnerable or singing or testifying. But I don't know. Somehow I do it anyway. I wanted to have you on— <laughs> Because I feel like you work that bravery muscle. Yeah. Like you just work it. It's not like I came in strong. Mm-hmm. It's like I worked it. Yeah. Yeah. And slowly too. It didn't happen overnight. I did. And I think Brene Brown speaks about this actually. Mm-hmm. She's like, be a little brave here mm-hmm. and a little brave here and a little mm-hmm. brave here. And you kind of work your way up to these big moments, you know? And I think I've I've slowly been doing that. It didn't just happen, you know. It it did. It took took time to work the muscle. Yeah. That's good for all of us. Yeah. Like incremental. Incremental. Yes wins the day. Yeah. And don't, and you know, be easy on yourself if you're not ready, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> and also like surround yourself with people who are. Love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. My God. Cause shame is one of the greatest weapons against us, you know, and people famously throughout history, people that had conflicting ideas or ideas that were ahead of their time got really beaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Emotionally, sometimes uh, physically. Uh, uh, and burned shunned. at the stake. Burned at the stake, you know, ostracized from society. Um, I want to end also, Brene Brown, in the different part of that says, in order for connection to happen, we have to be seen, really seen. And that is, you know, what we're working on with our voice as well. Yeah. And the voice is a huge part of that. Um, mm-hmm. Evan, thanks for coming in. Oh my God. So fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Evan for coming in. You can find out more about her in the show notes or on our website, permissiontospeakpod.com. Also, you can go to permissiontospeakpod.com if you have any awesome quotes you'd like me to read at the top of the episodes. And if you have any questions, I will do an Ask Me Anything episode from time to time, and I want to know what is getting in the way of your voice. You can also send DMs or voice messages to our Instagram at permissiontospeakpod, where we're posting a bunch of content. And please join the community. Thanks as well to Sophie Lichterman and the team at iHeartRadio, to Megan Reed, to my family and cohort, and to all of you. We are recording this podcast in the iHeartRadio studios in Hollywood on land that used to belong to the Tongva Indigenous Tribe, and you can visit usdac.us to learn more about honoring Native land. Permission to Speak is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Vision, executive produced by Catherine Burke Canton and Mark Canton. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.